You're listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast focused on Germany, the United States, and the transatlantic relationship. Join us as we discuss economics, politics, security, and more. I'm Jeff Rathke, president of the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies at Johns Hopkins University. Welcome to this episode of The Zeitgeist. Um, we're going to check in today on a new AICGS project that is going to run for the next three years and about which we're very excited. One of the most challenging issues of our time is the question of identity and growing social divisions. And this is a problem on both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, it's a phenomenon in Germany and in the United States. And it's something that ultimately affects uh, social cohesion and the fabric of society. So what we've set out to do is assess this challenge in Germany and the United States and see where we face common challenges and how we can overcome those, uh, those problems and uh, to see how much um, shared opportunity there may be uh, to address these things. Now, social divisions take many different forms, uh, urban and rural, um, uh, wealth and poverty, um, race, migration. And so we're going to talk a little bit today about how we're approaching this and, and what we're hoping to accomplish. So the first thing, how we're, how we're doing it. We have a group of 16 uh, young Germans and Americans from across each country, and we have brought them together. Uh, and uh, we've focused in our first year on two sister cities, Akron, Ohio, and Chemnitz in Saxony. Our objective is to combine on-the-ground experience with uh, our own research and the research of our participants and generate ideas that could help reconnect um, and overcome these divides. So today we have with us two participants uh, in, in our program with origins on either side uh, of the Atlantic. Um, they are uh, Teresa Adar. Hello, Teresa, and welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. And Alex Baker. Um, uh, for, uh, Teresa, start with you. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, um, so I am actually from Austria, not from Germany and the United States, or the United States. We don't hold that against you. Okay. <laughs> um, but I've been living in the U.S. for about four years now, um, and I'm currently working for the German television uh, CDF as a producer. Um, worked as a journalist before that, um, and um, you know have covered these issues, social divisions, um, uh, for a long time, I would say they obviously started before Trump got elected. But after that, people really started questioning, you know, what is going on here? Why are we not talking to each other anymore? Um, how can we sort of bridge the divide? And I've been around the country and, you know, talking to people on the ground. It really gives you a perspective, um, you know, that is very different from what's going on in Washington, D.C. And you Partly, I have hope that there is there are many opportunities to sort of um, reverse this trend of uh, you know division and um, you know hate that is you know, being spread um, of the other group and misunderstanding. Okay, and Alex, how about you? Thanks for having me, Jeff. Um, my name is Alex Baker. I work at the Atlantic Council, uh, international affairs uh, nonpartisan think tank. I work in our Future Europe initiative, where I cover the European Union, Germany, and transatlantic digital issues. I was really excited to come to this program. I come from Lansing, Michigan originally, a city that is not that different from Akron. Um, 
and I spent part of my time in Germany living in Dessau, just up the road from Chemnitz. So between those two um, unique facts about me, this was kind of the perfect program for me. And uh, I learned a lot at the first stop in Akron. Um, again, it reminded me of where I come from in Lansing, and a lot of it wasn't new to me, but to share that and some of the new perspectives I found um, from the other, other people in the project really helped me see my own experience coming from the Midwest in a new light. Um, when I was living in Germany, um, I also studied at Free University Berlin for a year and wrote my master's thesis on the rise of the AFD. The emergence of the AFD and the rise of right-wing populism was explored deeply by the groups in Akron and is bound to come up again in Chemnitz. Okay, and I think we'll get into some of the particular topics that you brought up um, in Akron uh, in just a second. But first, I want to introduce uh, two other people we have here with us uh, from the AICGS team. The first is uh, Susanna Deeper, who is the director of uh, programs and grants uh, at AICGS and who is leading um, this project, and also Liz Carruth, who is the research associate uh, and working uh, as part of the team that's carrying out this uh, this project. Um, so, Susanna, the, the first thing I wanted to just ask you to give us some uh, insight into is how you've divided up and organized uh, the, the thematic uh, areas of inquiry that our participants will be going through over the coming year. Yes, sure. It actually... Uh, turned out in Akron after we p convened all the participants uh, that they ha all have something in common or, or some have more in common than others and that's how the the four groups were establ established that uh, then had uh, more nuanced uh, conversations in Akron and uh, one group and Teresa and Alex are part of the that group worked on politics, institutions, and political structure. We had another one working on integration, migration, identity. The third group worked on education and culture, and the fourth group on economics. And uh, we asked all of them to come up with their own impressions and ideas. That's great. And Liz, um, tell us a little bit about what uh, what took place in the first stage of uh, of this uh, of this project uh, during uh, during our time in Akron. So the first meeting in Akron was split up between our large group talking about issues of social cohesion, social division, um, what their impressions were. And the, as Susanna mentioned, the more nuanced group discussions. And then we also based our large group discussions on site visits that we had with different uh, community members in Akron. Our first meeting was with Mayor Horrigan and Deputy Mayor Samuel DeShazier. We talked about at the official city level revitalization of Akron through immigration and through economic development. We were also welcomed at a city hall meeting, which was very hospitable. We also met with uh, Steve Kidder, who is a businessman who began the Sister City Partnership between Akron and Chemnitz. We met with a journalist from the Akron Beacon Journal who gave us kind of a less official view of Akron, a bit more candid in his assessment of the political situation in Akron, um, issues, kind of that social divides that we were talking about. We also visited the Exchange House, which is a place to build community in Akron's most diverse neighborhood. Um, it's an art space. It's a space for different community members to come and exchange with each other. 
um, and for religious communities to have um, meetings, for um, health advocates, for different refugee groups to meet. And then we met with the Mayor's Youth, Le- Mayor's Youth Leadership Council, um, which featured young people from schools in Akron. Okay, thanks. And so now I'll turn back to Teresa and Alex and maybe just start with an observation. I think it's, uh, you know, regardless of what part of of the United States or Germany uh, you live in, uh, I, I think we all have a we all have a desire for reassuring spaces and relationships and modern society makes it easier than ever to uh, to be surrounded uh, by things that affirm our views um, that uh, comport with our um, politics uh, or that simply um, you know reinforce the uh, the impressions uh, we may have uh, uh, formed um, so uh, you know this question of of spaces that are increasingly sealed off from other parts of society seems to be a theme that runs through um, uh, the the work of all of these uh, uh, subgroups. But um, what 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 did you observe, especially when we talk about um, population and political participation? What were the things that stood out for you? Uh, Liz already touched a little bit upon that. I think the most striking thing for me was um, you know what the mayor said about his city and then what you hear from people that actually live there. And I understand, you know, the mayor is the mayor, so he has an interest in, you know, portraying his city as a vibrant um, city with no problems. A success. Um, He's doing his job well. Yeah. yeah. Um, But, you know, if you, you know, sort of um, talk to people on the ground and and look at the issues that um, they are struggling with, um, For me, it was interesting that, for example, the opioid crisis barely came up. um, And that's one thing that especially Ohio is very affected by and that plays into so many things. I mean, opioids are connected to crimes, you know, hopelessness. People uh, can't have any jobs anymore. So that was one thing that struck me. Um, But I also saw a lot of... um, great things going on. So the Exchange House, for example, um, where I feel like some that that is only based on a single person's effort that the person who runs the Exchange House decided to do this. And that's admirable, I think. And what probably would be the next step is to really, um, you know, connect different communities. Because, for example, there at the Exchange House, um, immigrant groups have a space to meet each other, um, get to know each other. Um, I just always question, you know, like, is the ordinary, I don't know, retired white male in Akron ever going to hear anything that's going uh, or participating in what's going on in the exchange house? Mm-hmm. And I understand that it's difficult to sort of, you know, um, open, you know, be open enough to sort of explore what are other people doing. But I think that's, in the end, uh, you know, you talked about silos. Um, that's that's the only way to sort of understand other people. You don't yeah. have to agree with them, but you should understand where they're coming from. And, you know, yeah. So. Okay. Alex. Yeah, I was very excited to go to Ohio because anyone who follows American politics knows Ohio is one of the most unique political climates in our country, um, especially Northeast Ohio. There's a lot going on in a pretty small space there. I was really shocked to find out that Akron had 
12 out of 12 city council members that were Democrats. You think about Northeast Ohio and you think about the kind of narrative that is the, the blue to red 2016 flip. And I'm not an expert on the exact demographics of Northeast Ohio, but I expected there to be a stronger um, conservative presence there in, in Akron's community. Now, I did speak to someone who said you go 15 miles down the road to a community called Barberton. Um, I don't know if it's a suburb, but it's a community down the road. And he said that you would find a totally different political climate there. Um, and we've all heard the media stories out of Lordstown, Ohio, down the road from Youngstown, and this narrative of the, the rural decay um, and the, the kind of plight of the Rust Belt. So that was kind of the framing I was going into this with. And when I got there, um, I kind of found something different. Um, when it came to political participation, I did find a lot of the people we talked to had a sense of optimism that that they displayed, and some of that selection bias. We were talking to, to people who uh, who are already are, politically engaged. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, uh, that's that's a good start. You need people like that in order to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, and I think what our group kind of focused on is how did you take that um, kind of spark and turn it into a fire? Uh, we cited some stats in our um, case study there that the political participation for the mayor mayoral election was quite low. Um, that's a more systemic problem in the United States, voting on Tuesday. Um, this was an election that happened uh, in, in the fall of 2019. Exactly, yeah. uh, while we were in Akron. Um, and the mayor didn't seem too concerned. He kind of had it in the bag from, from his uh, <laughs> body language and the conversation we had, um, and he did run away with it. But the low political uh, participation turnout in that election is where we started with our observations from is why was this so low? Uh, we compared it to other similar cities, cities like Dayton, cities like Toledo, um, and we found that it was comparatively low. And this would require a much bigger study, but we were intrigued by this, and we, we wanted to find out a little bit more. Um, we haven't got there yet. Um, maybe maybe someday we will. But And, uh, well, as you pointed out, uh, you know, th it is, uh, Akron is unique in that it is, uh, it has as you said, 12 out of 12 um, city council members from the Democratic Party, also has been represented in Congress by uh, a Democrat for about the last uh, 40 years. So it's a place that has a very strong history of, of Democratic Party um, uh, representation. Um, perhaps that has uh, something to do also with, uh, you know, there's there seems to be a predictability or maybe an inevitability about that that, that could also help to uh, uh, explain um, low voter turnout if if the results have uh, have never changed. Yeah, no, I think that's that's uh, an accurate statement from from where I'm sitting. Um, I did ask the mayor. Uh, you bring up kind of the the legacy of democratic politics in in Akron, and uh, to talk more broadly again about Northeast Ohio, uh, Sherrod Brown, the. Um, yep. A long-tenured senator from Ohio is someone I brought up with, with locals. Um, he's a political hero of mine, and he is interesting because he wins the state quite handily in recent elections, but we've seen Ohio become a, a shoe-in almost for the Republicans at the national level. So I heard a lot of different theories on why he does so well, and it'll kind of boil down to um, authenticity, and I think we found that in Akron, too. Um, I think we had some different opinions in our group on the authenticity of some of the people we came across in, in uh, stakeholder positions, but coming from a place not different than Ohio, um, I think that's really important in, in uh, that part of the United States is to have authenticity when you're an elected official. Okay. Uh, you 
Thanks. And Teresa, I wanted to come back because you mentioned one particular initiative called the Exchange House. Um, but I wanted to ask uh, ask each of you maybe to just uh, say a few more words about um, the kinds of responses uh, you you observed, um, the Exchange House being one of them, uh, and, and where you see the strengths and maybe the shortcomings uh, of those kinds of, of civic the kind of civic entrepreneurship, if you want to call it that, um, that seeks to to knit um, uh, communities back together in old ways or maybe in new ways. Well, I I already touched upon it a little bit. So the Exchange House is basically, um, I I think, run by one or two people, um, and it's uh, they have funding for each year, and I think. That is something that will probably be very different in Chemnitz, um, that here in America, a lot of, um, you know, grassroots initiatives are really um, based on private donors or private funding. So, and I would, coming from Europe, I would think, you know, if you want to really have long-term effects, um, you can't just have um, a very fragile um, sort of setup where every year you're dependent on these grants coming in um, and whether or not that happens will determine then whether or not your community can come together or you can sort of, um, you know, um, um, continue to, to achieve progress. So that's one observation I think that some of us had there was how... The question of sustainability yeah. of, of the resources and the initiatives. Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to ask. I want to ask, uh, I wanna ask uh, uh, also um, uh, about uh, two two other initiatives you you mentioned in in your uh, initial uh, research. One one is a, a an organization called On the Table, um, and, and and maybe maybe we can start uh, can start there. Yeah, On the Table is one of these initiatives that you kind of see throughout the United States, especially. Um, after the 2016 election, when you have uh, this polarization that is uh, felt by really all sides, whether you're on the left side of the political spectrum or the right side of the political spectrum, and it tries to bring people together that normally wouldn't uh, meet face-to-face for a discussion over a meal. Um, We've seen this all around the country, and I think in a city like Akron it's particularly important. Um, we found that the city is somewhat segregated. Um, you have different generations of Akronites, and so to get them in the same room talking about issues that they face all in their lives, but they might not realize that the other person faces it is important. Um, and something else we talked about in our group that I think relates quite closely to this initiative is a lot of these policy fixes at the local level are nonpartisan. It doesn't matter if you're a conservative or a liberal, you need infrastructure investment, you need basic um, public education needs. It, it really boils down to, um, yeah, a, n- a nonpartisan solution. And I think people sometimes forget that at a, at a local level, like in a city like Akron. Mm-hmm. And so as you look ahead, you're going to uh, continue your, your research and on-the-ground experiences in Chemnitz uh, in, in the spring of, of next year with the same group of people, um, 16 Germans and uh, Americans, asterisk, and an Austrian. Um, <laughs> the, 
And, and so, so what are you going to be looking for there? Teresa, you, you've sort of tipped your hand a little bit because one question is the sustainability of funding for, uh, for initiatives to, to bring people to, together. But, but what else do you, do, are you on the lookout for as you, as you think ahead uh, to, that, uh, to the next stage? I would say um, since our group deals with um, politics, political structures, it would be interesting to see... Um, how politically divided Chemnitz is, um, because my impression here in the United States is because of the two-party system, it is all the more divided because you can either be a Democrat or a Republican. There's not much in between. Um, whereas I would think um, in Germany, it's a little more, uh, I guess, diverse. Um, and also that political, that identities are not so much tied to who you vote for because mm -hmm. i think here in this country it's become so stark you know like democrats and republicans don't talk to each other anymore mm -hmm. um i would think in germany it's it's less partisan i guess um I'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see <laughs> I, it, because i think also what what is uh, there's certainly evidence um for the fact that voters in the eastern part of germany have less highly developed um, party loyalties that there is a that, that they have a greater propensity to change votes uh, from one election to another, and you certainly see this in at least some of the uh, exit polling data that tries to track how people's uh, voting changes over time. And so you see large numbers of people, especially in the last four or five years, um, you know, shifting from one political party to another. So uh, so maybe not less partisan, but more you know, fluid. Yeah. That, you know, your political identity can change and it's not as fixed. Because here I would say also it's very much tied to a certain lifestyle sometimes, you mm -hmm. know, conservative versus liberal. And, you know, we have all these markers and, you know, you see someone and you sort of make a judgment and you think, okay, they're probably Republican or probably Democrat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Alex? Uh, one thing I'm going to be looking out for, and this relates to what I do in my professional life, is how globalization has affected a place like Chemnitz. Uh, we saw that in Akron, we couldn't go anywhere without someone referencing the, the history of it being the rubber capital of the world, and a lot of that infrastructure and um, manufacturing has moved on. Uh, of course, in Chemnitz, there is the added variable of the, the fall of the wall in 1989. Um, that's not to say that globalization hasn't changed Chemnitz in the last uh, few decades, but that's something I'll be looking out for. Um, also related to what I do um, here in D.C., I would like to look out for um, whether the Grand Coalition is still standing in April. And I've had a, a long-standing theory that um, it will only be a matter of time before the CDU and the AFD do begin to collaborate um, at a local level first. And if you look at voting patterns and uh, political preferences in that region, that's um, a strong candidate to be one of the first or... Um, Second, perhaps, to Mecklenburg-Vorpommern uh, localities where you might see some collaboration between the center-right and the, the radical-right. Okay. Uh, I'm going to turn to Susanna. I wanted to mention one nonpartisan unifying phenomenon that we came across in Akron, and that's uh, LeBron James, <laughs> who is a native of Akron, and pretty much everybody we talked to uh, was delighted to talk about him and how much he does for the community. So I think I would be interested to see and learn whether there is something similar in Chemnitz. <laughs>
you mean sort of social or cultural figures who kind of rise above uh, the, those divisions. Okay, well, I think you've got plenty uh, on, your, on your agenda for, uh, for the spring, and we look forward to hearing more, um, uh, not only about your observations, but also the, the suggestions and the recommendations that will come from you and your colleagues as part of this project um, that will help, I hope, uh, people in Germany and the United States take a fresh look at the challenges we face uh, to what degree they are uh, common challenges and what we can learn from each other. Um, I also want to take a moment to thank um, the the supporters uh, of this of this project, uh, namely the Transatlantic Program uh, of the Federal Republic of Germany, which um, provides funds through the European Recovery Program and the uh, Ministry of Economics and Energy. Uh, and with that, um, we will uh, keep you informed about the progress of, uh, of our project on social divisions. Uh, you can find more on our website, www.aicgs.org. And we will look forward to being with you on the next episode of The Zeitgeist. Thanks and goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Zeitgeist a podcast produced by the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies at Johns Hopkins University. Send us your feedback by email to info at AICGS.org or catch us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at AICGS. Don't forget to check out AICGS.org for more information from today's episode. Auf Wiederhören!